The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with Courtney Cronin from inside the madness that is the Mall of America right outside of Radio Row. Courtney, how are you enjoying your Super Bowl week? I haven't slept all that much. It's just been nonstop. For for someone who doesn't have a team that's really, you know, in this, obviously, uh, you think, okay, you're just helping out here and there. But there's been a lot of Vikings news this week, especially here. Um, Adam Thielen with his back, you know, confirming he had back fractures, talking to Rick Spielman, talking to ownership. So, yeah, there's there's certainly no shortage of off-season news for the Vikings in a game that they certainly wish they were at. And uh, I'm sure it was probably painful for a lot of players to be here this week and doing appearances, realizing that someone else is using their practice facility. Well, let's start with the takeaways from talking with co-owner Mark Wilf mm-hmm. and with GM Rick Spielman. Uh, I could tell you everything in three words that Mark Wolf said about the quarterback situation. Trust the process. They love that. They love that phrase. And I know that we were arguing that it's you were like, oh, it's a millennial phrase. And I'm pulling back saying it's a Nick Saban phrase. Joel Embiid may have popularized it, but can we both agree that Nick Saban is the one who actually started that? Look, that's like saying that. You know, B.B. King invented the blues. He made the blues popular. He didn't invent it, but he popularized it. So Joel Embiid popularized it. Who invented it then? He did. Joel Embiid did not invent no. Trust the Process. No, I think actually the 76ers were saying that before, and he adopted it to be ironic, and then it became a much bigger thing because he was always talking about it. I always thought Nick Saban was the one who, like, made that a thing because he's won a hundred national championships by trusting the process. I mean, you could be right, but I mean, it's just like how not many people know Robert Johnson was one of the greatest blues players in the 1930s, but BB King, they know. So it's the very same thing. I okay. Think. Yeah. It's, anyway, I totally that, see the parallel. Would, there were probably five or six different questions to Mark Wilf about the quarterback situation. And everyone, every response was some form of trust the process, trust the process. So we got nothing there, but with Rick Spielman, different story yeah of course he didn't want to tell us who the quarterback is going to be for the minnesota vikings in 2018 but he did mention as far as tolling the contract that it's in the nfl and nflpa's hands now what is your understanding of where we stand with teddy bridgewater and tolling of the contract the number one takeaway i have is just how insane it is that the nfl the Vikings, and the NFLPA, no one actually knows what any of this is or what any of it means or how the process works. So talked to D. Maurice Smith yesterday. He's the executive director of the NFLPA. And I said, how does this work? We were told this morning that it's not a Vikings decision if this happens. It's an, it's an NFL decision. So then, you know, how do you get that? And he's like, he starts talking. He's like, well... And then he paused. He's like, actually, I don't know the answer to that. Let me get back to you. I don't know if it comes to us from the NFL or from the Vikings. Uh, we will, I will get back to you on that. So I just think the whole thing with tolling, the, the ambiguity that they have in the contractual language of the CBA is really bad. I know that there's not another one until 2021, which D. Smith said they're going to go to war 
uh, and it's going to be a battle. Uh, send the troops in, all this other like military terms, which I don't know if I feel comfortable with using for contract negotiations. Like, what world do we live in? Um, but it's bad. Like the the fact that like nobody can honestly give us a clear answer of what it is to begin with and how it happens. We've been fighting this for. A, like the whole season, trying to figure out what's going to ha- what could potentially happen. Obviously, this is a big if if they're going to do it. And not being able to get a clear answer is so bizarre mm. on something that should be Very black and, and white, dry. right yeah. in the CBA. And when you read the language, it reads to me as if Teddy Bridgewater should be a Minnesota Viking next year under whatever his current contract was this year one point seven something. Yeah. yeah, that's how it reads to me that he was on the physically unable to perform list through week six. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's what's written in there is that if you are on the the pup list until then, that your contract carries over to the next year. In the final year of your rookie contract. Yes, right. Yeah, it's, it's an incredibly specific thing that I can't believe exists. But here we are. Didn't this happen more just a sidestep? Wasn't this like an NHL thing for a while? Like where I thought I remember these were contract negotiations and things were a lot bigger. And you don't ever hear about this in the NFL. It's why it's such a touchy subject and we can't get clear answers but i felt like in other sports this may have happened it seems like it has to be a rare situation where someone is out for the entire year before the season and their final year of a rookie deal Mm -hmm. so it doesn't really happen that often and then teams don't usually try to enact it now here's how i'm just putting together these pieces that the vikings have attempted to enact tolling his contract to next year and they have submitted that to the NFL. This is me filling in blanks, not what Rick Spielman said. And now it's in the NFL's hands to decide whether they can actually do that or not. Now, if they say that the Vikings can, then the NFL Players Association will file a grievance, and that goes back to Teddy Bridgewater telling us that he was ready to play before before week, week six. six. That he calculatedly said that in a press conference i was ready to play before week six felt like i could have come back before then because he wanted that on the record at that time knowing that this was a potential battle that was going to be fought the thing that they have to prove like what the the issue here is was he ready to play before week six the nflpa has records to all of the vikings medical data and um info so that's not going to be an issue they're going to be able to get that to work out you know if should it come to that but here's the thing it, it's almost like kind of like a, a moot point so was he ready to play before week six well if you're going to start him on the pup list he has to be on there for six weeks so it's kind of like it cancels out that's the thing that confuses me because it's like okay well then are you saying he shouldn't have started the season on the on the pup list like that's going to be his argument that's his argument so it's a it's going to be if it comes to this and they would try to toll his contract I mean, first off, you're going to make the guy very angry, and he's not going to want to play here. And you already have three situations you're trying to work with in, in terms of quarterbacks and how messy that is. Um, I would not try to do anything to make any of them angry right now. <laughs> yeah, then the other thing is, too, that Teddy Bridgewater might be the most popular player just from a franchise to the top all the way to Mark Wilf, who is calling him an inspiration all the way to fans across the country. He is the most popular Minnesota Viking player. It's good for the brand. And he's also the most popular in the locker room, where it seems there's an unequivocal belief in Teddy Bridgewater. Mm -hmm. The organization playing games with his contract, I'm not sure that that's going to really 
echo very well within the locker room, especially for those players that might want him back as the starting quarterback in 2018. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean, at the end of the day, it's ownership's decision to do that. But why incite something in the rest of the locker room? Like when you have the biggest thing that we've gotten from Mark Wilf is about the continuity. Um, a lot of owners that are here this week have preached that. And, you know, they want to keep this thing rolling. They they knew they've planned for the cap space issue, like, you know, with this year with the quarterbacks. Like, they've known that they, there are a lot of ways that they're going to have to work around this. Don't do it by trying to, like, essentially screw over someone with a contract situation because of a stipulation in the CBA that he can't control. Although... It's a really great situation for the Vikings if they do. Oh, totally. 1.7, <laughs> you can you can sign Case Keenum that $22 million deal, and maybe you can go do a few other of the, you know, the Kendricks, the bar, and you'd be great. You're set. You're, right. Like, and you could. Like, throw, in, throw us a bone, Teddy. Like, just go with this. Like, help us fix our cap space. I mean, they've got 60-ish in cap space. They're fine, but it would really do them wonders, honestly. Financially, but if you're Bridgewater, you know that someone like Arizona would pay you a hefty sum to come be their starting quarterback, and that there's going to be at least one other team that's going to be willing to do that. I mean, maybe if you're the Cleveland Browns, why why wouldn't you do it? If you're Cleveland, why wouldn't you sign Teddy and then draft a top quarterback and then see what happens from there? What about the Jets? Or, yeah, the Jets is another good option. There's four or five teams that are out there that have quarterback situations similar to the Vikings where they don't really have anyone locked in that would like Teddy Bridgewater and know what he did before for the Vikings organization. So, you know, they're going to have competition. And that's the thing where you wonder is if you try to toll this contract and Bridgewater is upset by that, is that going to take you out of the running to keep the guy that your head coach loved for so long? The Then I think the only way to resolve that if that's going to be the situation, let's say they try to toll Teddy Bridgewater and it does not work, then he leaves. The only thing they could do to save face in that situation, I think, is sign Kirk Cousins. If Teddy Bridgewater is the back, whole thing, and yeah. that's and that's where the argument because I put I put an article out yesterday after uh, to get some clarity, like about the the, th- the situation with Teddy's contract, and I wrote, you know, here's what um, here's the situation with here like signing what it would be like to you know sign Teddy Bridgewater and like the whole situation like sign not draft and someone wrote that to me on Twitter I was like well even if they draft a quarterback it won't be till later rounds but sign also could mean not re-sign and try to get a guy like Kirk Cousins because obviously here at media days like his name is popping up left and right uh since the Alex Smith domino fell he's the next big one to figure out he's not going to be in Washington and I honestly for the crazies out there who think then the con- this conspiracy theory that the um the Alex Smith in name only trade right now is just going to be he's going to get be gone and they're going to actually re-sign Kirk Cousins so that's <laughs> about as crazy as the people walking around on media night proposing to Tom Brady or whatever so um please don't criticize me for doing that you know, I, I saw so you. I saw you doing it, and um, I know that you love the glove thing. So, you 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 don't have you can take those gloves off now. Yeah, before I saw him in gloves, I didn't have one feeling or another. But after, it's just a whole different Tom Brady for me. Um, anyway, the Kirk Cousins idea. You're probably looking at $30 million a year for a long time. You're probably looking at a mass of guaranteed money for a quarterback that I think is pretty good. 
but not great. I guess the argument that the Vikings might have would be great is really, really hard to find, but pretty good might be able to get you to the Super Bowl if you have the defense that the Vikings are going to bring back and the wide receivers they're going to bring back. I am on the fence so much about the Cousins idea because I don't necessarily think that it's going to take them out of contention for keeping all the players that they have to sign extensions for. I, I don't think that that means they'll lose all of those players. Maybe you lose one, but this team is so good with the salary cap, I think that they'll still figure out ways, especially with what they did with some of their extensions with uh, year Everson ahead of time Griffin. Yeah, smart. They, they figured out ways, too, to have almost no dead cap money if they need to move on from some players as we go forward. So I think you can afford it, and I don't think you're just going to lose your whole roster if you sign him. I just wonder if you're locking into a guy that you know is Case Keenum plus a little bit, right? Like, I'm about to say, where do you rich feel? Rich man's Case Keenum. It, that's a, I think it's a good way to put it. Uh, the, obviously, the thing that like pops in my head right away is just how how good they both are with play action. I mean, that is the, that is the bread and butter of their game. I mean, Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback statistically within Keenum's right below him. Um, and that's just like in terms of completion percentage and all that, not QBR or anything else. But and that says a lot about scheme, I think. More than it says about the actual quarterback, I think it just says It does. And coordinators were scheming them to have success but i mean in in that system both of them have you know wherever they've been have had success with that you saw it with Shermer this year and obviously the last few years uh in washington for for kirk cousins but the dude doesn't want a playoff game i think that's something that you bring into it too that obviously that's going to be an argument like is this guy actually good you know case couldn't throw the ball down the field very far but he could dink and dunk his way if he needed to kind of those last few weeks even leading into the playoffs um, I don't know if there's much difference in terms of skill set between the two. And I don't know if it's a huge upgrade. I really don't. I, I think that he is comparable to Keenum. And I actually wrote that in the middle of the season. I started looking at Keenum's success and then some other quarterbacks that he was similar to. And uh, Cousins was one of them. And so was like Andy Dalton. And these are quarterbacks who've had a lot of regular season success and had some big seasons when they had great supporting casts, but they were never able to get their teams over the hump. Now, I don't blame Kirk Cousins for not winning too many more games because the guys played with really bad defenses. At the same time, always playing in shootouts probably pumped up his numbers a little bit more Mm -hmm. than they would be for throwing for 4,000 yards and things like that. And you just get stuck in this place where you say, well... You're not going to be able to get Aaron Rodgers, though. You know He's not just going to come wandering by. So you need to have a quarterback that can keep you in contention in your window to win. But can he really get you over the top? Or are you going to next year have the same thing happen? You go 11-5 and five or something, and then you lose in the first or second round of the playoffs. And, and that's the thing with Rick Spielman. That, you know, I, the one takeaway I had from that outside of the tolling unclarity um, they want a long-term option. They're tired of doing the same thing every single year where, okay, maybe it's a two-year deal like with what they were able to give, um, you know, in the situation with Bradford. And you, then, you know, two years later, they want a long-term option. You can't predict injuries. That's fine. But you can also, if you say you work so hard with the cap space, which they do, and you plan and you're, and you're smart with it, as Rick Spielman is, it's not up for debate, you could plan this to where you have a guy, whichever is coming this next this off season, um, that this is a this is a multi year deal. You you sign somebody in place, but 
I just don't think they're comfortable with the personnel that's at their disposal to potentially re-sign that they think any of those guys could be long-term options. Mm-hmm. Why why put the franchise tag on Keenum and make it a long – I mean, it's, why, why make that a big deal, like a long deal? Like one year, 24, $22, 24000000 million, bring Teddy back, um, have them fight it out in camp. At but least, that's still not your long-term option. Right. That's the thing. Like, I don't think they're going to get to that, even if they do sign a guy like Kirk Cousins. At least you know that you have a quarterback in Case Keenum for next year that can get you to the playoffs. Like, at, at, that, You're not going to get completely left out of the party if you're the Vikings. You will have someone who is a proven, and I have almost semi-finger quotes with that, proven starting quarterback for at least the one year for Case Keenum and bringing him back with the same personnel. You would still project another season good enough to make the playoffs from Case Keenum if that's your but to me that should be your last resort is franchising Keenum for another year. You now, could I mean you could franchise Teddy. You could franchise Teddy, right. That's an, if, if his contract doesn't toll. Yeah, that's a bit you got to get through that first. <laughs> See, I've always thought that the best option for Teddy is Sam Bradford's deal with the Eagles, where it had a low cap hit the first year or the second year. I can't remember exactly how this, it was structured, but it was short-term, a lot of guaranteed money. Something like $22 million guaranteed over three years, which is you know a, a pretty good chunk, but they could get out of it after a year if his knee wasn't any good. Mm-hmm. I think that that's probably the best deal for both sides if they want to keep Bridgewater. But I don't know if this happens to you, too. On a daily basis, even though we're not getting a ton more information, but just as little bits come around, I feel more like Cousins is a possibility and less like Teddy Bridgewater is today. But Judd and I just podcasted the other day where we decided Bridgewater was for sure the option. But I, I feel like that's I changed in a couple days. I, right after the season ended in, or in Philadelphia, we had to do a quarterback roundtable. And granted... I probably would have changed my answers if this wasn't being asked of me on deadline, which we had written it before that game. Um, other people who weren't on deadline, but that's me being a disgruntled journalist. So you want me to complain about the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi next? That day? I'll complain about that next. How but, was the food in the press box um, that day? Actually not great. I know a lot of people love the chili. Um, I wasn't a fan. But anyways, um, at that point in time, despite the poor performance you know, in the second half of the Saints game, he still won them. A, he still won them a playoff game, and I was like, "There's no way you can you can't you you're too in too deep." And I still even felt that way in the days, in hours, kind of right after that Philadelphia game. You're in too deep. He's coming back in some form or fashion, but in in what all three of them have stated at certain points, they want to be starters. You can't bring two starters in. I just don't think that's going to work here, and especially everything with Teddy Bridgewater and the possibility of what his contract situation could be. I just don't, you know, I flip-flopped from Keenum, then I thought Bre- then I thought Bridgewater was going to be a, a surefire option. He's their guy. But then we hear the tolling stuff yesterday, so I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, this is all kind of coming into effect. So I just think maybe your safest option is to clean house and try to sign a guy like Kirk Cousins. Okay, so let's say that they can't sign Kirk Cousins and they decide Tyrod that Taylor. nobody is coming back. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I think my guy is Ryan Tannehill, but I don't know that they're going to move on from Ryan Tannehill, Miami. I mean, they might, but, I mean, his contract is fairly favorable over the next couple of years, so they don't have an exact reason to move on from him unless they had a better option or unless they decided that they were going to draft someone. If they were going to be one of the teams that moved up in the draft, uh, let's say they trade all the way up to take Josh Allen or Josh Rosen or any other kind of Josh, then... (laughs) 
uh, maybe then Tannehill becomes on the market. I think that's a guy who's had a really rough ride in Miami with horrible offensive lines, no true number one receiver. Fantasy players do not tell me Jarvis Landry is actually good uh, because he's just okay. He's just another guy. So he's not had a whole lot of great weapons or great situation, and he's performed pretty well. His last season he had 7.7 yards per attempt, which is toward the top of the league. This year, 8.0 led the league. So I, I like him as a better option than Tyrod, but I definitely think the Bills are also in that conversation for teams that could move up and draft a guy and then let their other quarterback go. Do either of those two strike your fancy? I guess, I mean, not really. They're not sexy names. They're, they're not the long-term option. I think that I think the Vikings get into another scenario where it's okay, bringing in a veteran guy. It's a two-year thing, and then they move on. They need, and that's why when you talk about drafting a quarterback, I thought it was kind of like unfathomable that it would be in the early rounds. But given the situation here, and whether you know Keenum, from everything like I'm hearing, is that Arizona likes him a lot, and that that is a potential landing spot. They'll pay him upwards of twenty million dollars. He can get a clean, like I don't know, not really clean slate, but he gets to move on. He gets to, it's a happy ending for a guy who had a great year. Um, and if if that leaves you, I don't. I mean, I know we're not talking about uh, Bradford at all because I think we're both on the same page that we believe he will not be here. My prediction is that he's going to be with the Browns and they're going to draft somebody, and it's it's, it's a Mike Glennon in uh, Mitch Trubisky situation. Um, but you know. Think, I think I just think they're back to where they started, and they don't want to be there. So maybe, you know, maybe they, maybe they do draft somebody. And Sorry, Patrick Mahomes is walking by us right about now. About to say, is that? I thought that's who that was. Do you want? To, do you want me to go like run down and like ask him like what is? Ask him who the Vikings quarterback is. I like Patrick Mahomes a lot, by the way. I mean, I like they're moving on from Alex Smith because they like him so much, but just in college. His arm and the plays that he would make were so fun to watch and so special with that arm talent. It just makes me excited for what he could do. In you Kansas know his City. ties to the Vikings, right? What's that? Case oh, Keenum, it's... same offensive Cliff Kingsbury, same offensive coordinator, Texas Tech. See, I thought you were going to talk about his dad who pitched for the Twins. Didn't know that, but thank you for uh, thank you for one upping me with my uh, connection. I am a one upsman. Um, I did not know about Cliff Kingsbury, though. Well, I mean, that was... Um, was, that was he a, who was he? He's Keenum's he, offensive coordinator at Houston. Now he's the head coach at Texas Tech. Well, was he, like, a backup quarterback, like, way back in the day? He played for... Um, I, I feel like this is a guy I had a trading card of when I was little. No, I mean, he, no? I th- he was in the NFL, I think, for, like, one or two. How do you not know Cliff Kingsbury? He's, like, the... Everybody calls him the Ryan Gosling of college football. He's, like, I swear to God, he looks like the guy. Like, So do I. What does that matter? I'm not saying looks are everything here, but no, I mean, that's how most people would claim the fame or air raid uh, offense. Okay, I've never seen him, so I don't know if he If my computer wasn't com- a meltdown machine in front of me right now, it's I would... It's been a little bit of a tough day for you. Yeah, I would, I would show you a picture of him. So I'm not surprised we ended up on Cliff Kingsbury's looks. <laughs> um, oh, man. But uh, back to wherever we started with this... Um, I, I think that it is plausible you could end up with one of those other options other than you could see if the tolling doesn't work out, Bridgewater might want to go somewhere else. You could see if 
They didn't want to franchise tag Case Keenum because of what happened at the end of the year and also some of the smoke and mirrors that were there uh, throughout the season. Um, and if another quarterback that was more talented was put on the table, maybe they would be interested. It's just an impossible situation to even put odds on right now. I mean, if you were I agree. if you were ranking it for who starts 2018, this is how I, I would have it. I would have, I still think Teddy is number one. And I would put case number two that that's possible that he's starting 2018. And then Kirk Cousins three, then either Tannehill or Tyrod Taylor after that, and then Bradford after them. I don't even have Bradford, like, in my top three. Or I don't know, maybe he's not in my top five. But I agree. I've flip-flopped back and forth. And I do think as – but it's as you get more information, I think you can be more educated on your guesses. And it will change. But I do agree with you that – I'll just go the the short order, that it would be Teddy Bridgewater as my day one starter when they open the season in September, and then Case Keenum. But that's going to make training camp, if they both think they can start, I I know that we talk about the culture of this team, and, you know, it's it was such an incredible moment seeing Case lead the skull chant for, or the Teddy chant in the, in the Bengals game. I think this creates a lot of drama, and... You know, quarterback competitions, position competitions are healthy, but not after what this team went through with three different quarterbacks this year and all of that. Because Case handled it brilliantly this year, but he will not next year. Because he's like, I, I, I made this team. Like, no, like he, he, he got them to where they were at. You know, he deserves a lot of credit for getting them to the NFC Championship, but. To go back and be like, okay, well, you're still a backup in our eyes. I don't think you would take too kindly that. He shouldn't have to because a team like Arizona is going to pay him $20 million. Like, right. If they decided to bring back Teddy on the toll contract and then have Case franchise so he couldn't go anywhere, and then they just said, all right, fight it out in training camp, whoever loses that battle is going to be really unhappy. And there's only so much minnesota niceness that you can expect from these two guys in that locker room you shouldn't have to expect any of it neither of them are from here the other thing too so i was chatting with people around here yesterday and something that i heard was that there were some wide receivers that weren't thrilled with case keenum especially toward the end of the year with some of the throws that he made uh, starting really with the carolina game and it's kind of remarkable how I didn't think he played well in a couple of the games down the stretch, but his stats were really good. Mm-hmm. Like in Cincinnati where he, the first half he was poor and he threw a thing that should have been an easy pick six, but somehow he comes out 25 for 30 or something, right? I mean, that was almost the story of the season a lot of times with Case. So I, I heard that there was some unhappiness with him at that point. And then they go into the playoffs, the Minneapolis Miracle, everyone's thrilled again. But when they look back at it, they might say if he were to win the starting job next year and not do as well, why, why aren't we starting Teddy now? Or why didn't Teddy get a fair chance? Or Teddy just has some rust to knock off or whatever. It seems like everybody was all in before, but there's going to be more adversity probably next year than there was this year. And no longer is it a cute story. This year was like cute story, Case Keenum. Well, it was so unexpected. Right, like, yeah. Next year, it's, it is expe- if you can do that this year, next year people are not going to have as much tolerance for, well, you know, he's showing signs of being a backup. People are automatically going to relegate you. Your coaching staff potentially is going to start thinking, okay, did we just make a big decision? Uh, did we make a bad decision here? Do you think it's interesting that Rick Spielman said the offensive coordinator, whomever that may be, will have a say in who the quarterback is. 
That's what, like, the whole chicken and egg thing. Like, that's what I asked him about. Like, what's the order here? Like, because it would, in certain cases, I think, okay, if if you want, if you, if you as an ownership in front office, if you think Case Keenum's your guy and you're planning to go that route, then is your offensive coordinator search going to be Kevin Stefanski, a guy he's worked with, a guy he's comfortable with, he knows you know, if he's going to keep the same principles of Shermer's system. But it's apparently not that. He was very adamant. It is offensive coordinator first, and then we're going to pick the quarterback, and he has a part of that, and it's a say. That, to me, was you know, pretty telling because that, they could go a number of different ways with that. Do I think that Kevin Stefanski is probably a pretty good fit for this job? Yeah. I think that if you, if you with the options that you have, if they're going to look at the three that you have right now, that's probably your best bet to keep some sort of semblance of what this season was. But it's how many times do you see that where guys come in? I mean, Pat Shermer had to keep Eli Manning, essentially, because John Mayer said it and Dave Gettleman were like, this is our guy going forward. And imagine the adversity that Shermer, if he said, like, no, I'm gonna, I, you know, we're going to do something different. Like that, he kind of didn't have a choice, so it is a little weird. Yeah, he's probably not getting that job if um, he says no way to Eli Manning. Like he, he, I imagine that they brought everybody in and said, so you can't coach this team if you want a different quarterback for right now. But I still think the Giants are in a good position to potentially draft a, their future quarterback up top two, yeah. and have them sit behind Eli Manning for a year in the same fashion of Patrick uh, Mahomes and what he's done. Um, But to your point, keeping a lot of the same offensive principles and understanding the personnel. So I was watching just something with Bill Belichick where he was talking about how they form their scheme around their personnel, which some people are the other way around. Some have their scheme and try to get personnel to fit in it. Um, But in this case, they've done such a good job of, or Pat Shermer did such a good job Mm -hmm. of taking all the personnel and finding out what they do best. A good example is Adam Thielen moving into the slot more often. Almost half of his snaps came from the slot. It's not a traditional slot receiver. Usually those guys are short and then quick as opposed to tall and, and fast. But Thielen worked out so well from the slot in part because just Shermer looked at his skill set and said that's what you can do best. Stefanski would know all those things already and know how Shermer got the most out of those guys. What would be interesting would be you would love to ask Stefanski off the record or something, do you like Teddy or Case more? Because <laughs> that, might be, that, that might be ultimately what it comes down to is just the guy who's running the offense, which quarterback does he prefer? Yeah, and that's if if we're saying you know if he's if he is in the lead of this, and we should find that out. Rick Spielman said, made it sound like not next week, but the week thereafter there would be a hire. Um, it, I think it does come down to. I mean, he's he's worked with whoever gets this job. He will have the one up on if they do keep these quarterbacks that he will have had the most experience with them. Um, can he get the same production he got out of Case Keenum that next year that he got out this year? I think that's your question, like your biggest one. Because we know, I think we're in agreement that Teddy Bridgewater is probably a better quarterback, skill set-wise overall, when healthy. Um, there will be rust. That's not an argument. Okay. But how does he, you know, what does he prefer? I mean, what's the more of a comfortable, like, kind of pick up where you left off or clean slate? What does he want? I don't know what he wants, and there are so many questions that we're just going to have to wait over the next few weeks. I enjoy talking about them very much, but I can't I, wait to change my pick like ten more. I know, times. I know. I I don't know whether the team, how much the team likes Case Keenum. We're trying to read between the lines. I don't know whether they truly want Bridgewater back. 
When, so when Mike Zimmer was raving about Teddy Bridgewater and his return, my initial take was, oh, well, this means that he wants Teddy because he just can't say enough nice things about him. But then when you hear the co-owner say the same sort of rhetoric, and then the general manager the same thing, oh, he's an inspiration, he's a great person, all that stuff, are you like, hmm, are they saying this nice things as they push him out the door? I mean, it's just, I well, feel I like. Well, I wouldn't expect them to. to read into it. Eh, I, I don't know if I'd read into it like that. I do get what you're saying, but are they going to say negative things about him? Well, it's not saying that they all have to corroborate the same response, but right. they've all heard each other talk about him. They're probably just going to continue to echo what they've been saying the whole right. time. Okay. Well, this is exhausting, like yeah, this quarterback I'm, conversation, isn't it? It's only beginning. I know. Just the, the, the idea of drafting a quarterback we'll dig way into as we get closer, especially with the NFL Combine. I imagine that both you and I will be going to yep. the NFL Combine and hanging out there. Um, so we'll talk a lot about the draft as it gets closer. Do you want to talk about the big game at all? Like I'm sure. saying it quietly so Vikings fans don't get upset, but I would think by now... We're sitting here on Friday. There's a lot of purple that I've seen at the mall. I think people should be over it. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, the fact that there's still stories being written about how miserable the experience was for Vikings fans in Philadelphia, let it go. Like, that's that stuff kind of came into play early this week, you know, where, you know, ownership was uh, – the Wilfs were asked about what did you think about the Philly fans. Like, it's over. Like, you got to move on. It's 12 days now removed from that. Like, I – I don't know if I've been around a fan, like a, a team or a fan base where those questions are still brought up, like this far out. Yeah. So let me ask you then, what are you thinking about this game? Are you feeling like this should be close, that this should be a blowout, that the Eagles have a real chance, that they don't have a real chance? Where are you stand right now? I think it'll be closer than, obviously, than the NFC Championship, but I still think the Patriots are a better team, um, you know, that defense, Eagles defense, going to have to put a lot of work in to throw Tom Brady off and to pressure him because he's, even though he's been worse, I use that in a loose term. Statistically, his numbers have gone down against pressure as he's gotten older in his like last few playoff years, but he's still unbelievable at sensing pressure and being able to make these incredible tight window throws. And you know, the hand seemed like it was fine in Jacks against Jacksonville, so. Uh, you know, I think I'm not gonna say I, I would think my I think my score prediction was somewhere around like 24-21 or like 25-21 somewhere like that. But I do think the Patriots win. And teams do have this remarkable way of just falling apart in front of the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, did you ever watch South Park? A little bit. So early days of South Park, one of the characters I forget which one. It's been a long time, but every time. <laughs> He would talk to a girl that he liked. He would throw up right on her. <laughs> was that Kenny? No, they always no, killed Kenny. Kenny died, yeah. Was um, it Eric Cartman? It was not Eric, but it was one of the other ones. So every time she'd say, like, oh, hi, and he'd just throw up right on her. <laughs> and that's where any team that gets close to potentially beating the Patriots just throws up right on them, <laughs> and then the Patriots just win. I mean, it is unbelievable. From not handing the ball to Marshawn... Which, by the way, I, I met a Marshawn handoff truther yesterday. Ooh, someone I'm... who believed that they made the right call to pass it at the goal line. It was intercepted. Were they? Did they watch that? 
well, they were arguing the process of throwing with Russell Wilson on the goal line was usually successful during the season. Nobody throws on the goal line in the Super Bowl when you have a four-time Pro Bowl running back in the prime of his career and you're that close to scoring. No one does that. You have the best player at that position whose name is literally beast mode and you throw a slant to your number five wide receiver that guy had like 25 catches that season right like okay great all right i mean like if you were the vikings and you had delvin cook do you think it's a conspiracy you're gonna give it to him or you're gonna throw to uh laquan treadwell i think you're gonna give it to delvin i know where you're gonna throw it uh yeah right to laquan treadwell no i mean anyway uh, yeah, I don't know, but those people who think that the league is rigged or fixed, <laughs> I mean, it's the, the number of things that have had to happen for them to keep winning like this, it does make you think. I'm not saying that that's like So you're real, essentially Randy Moss right now with what he's done on the conference call. It's impossible. Yeah, I heard that. It's impossible that a team would blow a 28-3 lead. It's impossible that they wouldn't hand it to Marshawn. It's impossible that the Jaguars would be up and just throw it away. And I can't get over that. I can't get over thinking you know, somehow you feel like the Eagles are just going to pull that South Park thing and throw up all over the Eagles. Yeah, I mean. Or uh, over the Patriots, whatever. I like your analogy. I love that you you just, like, spontaneously thought of that. But I agree. I think that the Patriots just do things to teams. And, I mean, they've – the Eagles have kind of gotten rid of that whole underdog mentality. Like, yeah, it hasn't been talked about a lot this week, but what has been talked about is how do you pressure Tom Brady accurately? What kind of, what can you do with your defense? Because that's been, you know, the pinnacle of um, this team this year. And if you're going to have to overcompensate for Nick Foles, if, you know, the run pass option just doesn't seem to work this Sunday, which wouldn't be the first time. Um, I mean, they killed the Vikings' number one defense with it, where, what are they going to do to the Patriots? But, yeah, I mean, it's – I don't see any way that this is – I don't think it's a blowout. I also don't see a 28-3 lead type right. – type, I mean, that will never happen again. But, yeah, I mean – The matchup is really good, and that's where, like, Vikings fans have to admit it's a really good matchup. I mean, it's a the best offensive and defensive line against the best quarterback. It's the a genius defensive head coach in Bill Belichick who I think is going to play a lot more conservative defensively as opposed to Zimmer's aggressiveness, where, like Atlanta did, hang back and make Nick Foles pick you apart and have 10, 12-play drives. Uh, I think that's the philosophy, as opposed to Zimmer, who was sending a lot of blitzes and pressuring a lot. Which is really not like him. Yeah, it was surprising. He he does not blitz that often. And, you know, just some of the looks that were on the front it seemed like the eagles knew exactly where the pressure was going to come from and especially since they could communicate in their own stadium they had no problem uh stopping that pass rush um with this time around i think that they're basically going to say almost not prevent defense but almost like an umbrella of like you are going to have to complete 10 passes against us or you're going to have to run the ball successfully we're going to focus on that too and and if the eagles uh, can do that maybe they've got a chance maybe if they can't have these long sustained drives but how often do you see a 10 to 12 play drive in the nfl once or twice a game usually it's a hard thing to do so that that's my guess which means belichick will probably blitz everyone yeah i mean <laughs> right? yeah it's gonna be what we don't think it is yeah yeah exactly so anyway um what has been the most interesting or strangest thing that you have seen around here at the center of all of it for the super bowl this week 
I don't know if it's like a bad thing. It's not, I haven't seen any crazy costumes or you know anything outside of the ordinary. Um, a lot of Vikings garb is interesting. Um, but the people who literally just sit and wait to watch people walk through. I don't. You're not supposed to get autographs. Not supposed to get autographs, but there's like a horde outside of the Patriots Hotel entrance to the JW Marriott downstairs, um, and there's usually a black curtain, and they're still standing waiting to get a peek through that curtain. Like, I don't see how that's going to work. And also, I think we'll find. Want to see if Brady's got gloves on? He's not going to walk through that random right there. Also, I think the other thing was seeing Luke Keekley in street clothes was a complete mind blown. Did not look like a linebacker. Did not look like a pro bowler. You thought he looked smaller than looked a very small. I almost got elbowed in the head by Terrell Davis, and I'm very proud of that. You know, that's you had a really nice move uh, to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, I used my quickness, explosiveness, reaction, quick twitch. All those things. Quick twitch. All right. So we will be back to do another Purple Podcast after the Super Bowl, and we will break it all down. And then all offseason, um, we will be talking about this quarterback situation. But there are actually other things we have to talk about, too. So we will get into some of those and free agency and all those things. And just a reminder that all of our Super Bowl coverage has been powered by Sprint this entire time. So appreciate them and appreciate you listening to the Purple Podcast.